Welcome uh, to Christians in Culture, episode two. Session two. Session two, whatever we're going to call them, sessions, episodes. Episodes, that is the culturally, see that what I did there, Adam? <laughs> the culturally correct term for podcasts. Right, okay. Seasons and episodes. Seasons and episodes. So this is season, season one, one, episode two. Uh, my name's uh, James, um, and I'll be uh, hosting today's episode. Uh, with me, I've got... My name's Adam. And my name is Rowan. Good to have uh, you guys. Yeah. Thanks for coming. Yeah. No, I wasn't uh, just talking to you. I was talking to everyone out there who's listening. Oh, yeah. well, yeah. Good to have, good them, to have them as well. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Um, as you can tell, we're professionals. Uh, we know exactly what we're doing. So, um, yeah. So, in this uh, episode... We've done this at least once before. Yeah, at least once. And we tried about five times. So, yes, we got with it. correct. Yeah. Um, so, we're going to be looking at politics and the Christian faith. Yes. And I'm sure politics is going to pop up a few times before we finish this season. It will. Um, but, yeah, so we're getting going to get it, hit it head on early yep. and, uh, and see where we go from there. Uh, so, at the moment, we've currently got a Pentecostal Christian Prime Minister. We do indeed. Which in gets fact, celebrated yes. by a lot of people. It does. Um, ScoMo. ScoMo. Hashtag ScoMo. Um, and... There's always a lot of conversation uh, among Christians, or you hear it in maybe the more vocal um, parts of the uh, the Christian uh, church. Mainly, I think it's mainly online as well. Um, that this is our opportunity to to turn Australia around, to turn this nation around, to become a you know back to the Christian nation back that we always Christian were. Nation. Yes, correct. Um, yes. Can anyone tell me what year that was? Because I'm not sure. Um, Absolutely right. Yes, but I suppose uh, who wants to start? What? Are, who does? Who wants to start? What do I think? Well, what, what do you, you think? What do you think, Adam? I think we're never going to become a Christian nation again. To right. to just lay it out there. Yeah. Um, and. I'm with you, Jimmy, that I don't know when we were actually a Christian nation as mm. because I think one of the things that I'm learning more and more is that what may look like a Christian to someone who's not a Christian isn't actually a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, a, dis- a, fo- a true disciple of Christ looks vastly mm. different to the Christians you see on TV yeah. or yeah. the Christians that you have seen or what would have been the norm as a Christian mm. back in the day when yeah. they would have said we were a Christian nation. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. totally. And I, I think that's, the, that's that difference between we're calling this podcast Christians in culture and then, but then don't not to get confused with which what I think a lot of people is is cultural Christianity, cultural Christianity, right, or, yeah. or cultural Christianity morality. Yeah. yeah, and then say everyone sees that okay, well it's accepted that you call yourself a Christian doesn't necessarily mean that everyone who's saying that are that yeah that's exactly a it in a nutshell. I think yeah. guys, I think um, you know the way I look at it is that. You know, you made the point there, were we ever a Christian nation? And I, I think that's it's all in how you define it. A lot of people will say we were. Uh, I heard a preacher say many years ago, uh, when I was in the United States, actually, back in 1999, and, uh, and this statement, I don't even remember who the preacher was, but uh, they said that 
we have a tendency to sanitize previous moves of God and demonize current ones. Yeah, right. And so we look back, and that's essentially what Jesus said when he condemned the Pharisees for building tombs for the prophets. He said, you guys stoned the prophets when they were around, and now you're the same ones that are building tombs for them. And I think sometimes as Christians, we do the same thing. We look back with fondly as though the previous generation was somehow better than we were, and oh, the things are going to hell in a handbasket. And I I think that a casual look at history of our nation would say that, that, uh, yeah, the influence of Christianity, it depends how we define it. But uh, but the morality may have been more in line, I guess, in some areas of morality than where we are now, but I don't think even in, in every area. So I think to somehow think that, uh, that, that ScoMo has the job, the God-ordained job to turn our country around, I think is unrealistic. Mm-hmm, uh, right. no, Christ, no, no nation has ever been Christianized through political means anyway, no. yeah. Histor- throughout mm-hmm. history. Yeah. It's actually quite the opposite. It, the church has grown on the fringes yeah, of right. society, not when it has the moral majority yeah. Yeah. in society. So I think it's it's unfair on ScoMo to say to him, hey, uh, you know, you're the man, you're God's man for the hour, it's your job. It's also yeah. quite a naive understanding of the way politics works. Yeah, Well, totally. I think it's also that, like, Jesus didn't even do it that way. He didn't, that's right. And everyone expected him to do that, do exactly. it that way, mm-hmm. and, and he didn't. Yep. Um, and for us to put that on someone like ScoMo, like, he needs, like he's not our functional saviour. Correct. And he, he will never be because he's just a man. And I think, oh, you, you were at Hillsong Conference when yeah. you spoke there, weren't you, Jimmy? Because he yeah. pretty much said that, didn't he? Well, oh, yeah, he was, just, like, he got up and, and prayed, and he prayed boldly, and he, and he was, said that, yeah, that I am a, that I am a Christian, and, and that's his, his values. But he even said he's still beholden, I don't know if these exact words that he chose, but that he's beholden to his party, which is what Australian politics looks like, is, is that we, we, we don't vote, we're not like the American system, we don't vote for a person, we vote for a party. Yep, exactly And right. so you, to say that, you know, that ScoMo is going to then influence everyone else in the party, a lot of them probably aren't Christian, to yes. suddenly turn this into a Christian nation yeah. is, is, is naive. And like, yeah, when he spoke at conference, yeah, like he spoke strongly. Mm. Um, I think I saw him a little bit differently. I was a little bit maybe sceptic about him not necessarily the fact that he was a christian but more in terms of like you only see the public persona and maybe some of the policies that he sort of spoke to i didn't necessarily agree with but then just to see him in that light and see him speak in that way knowing that he's to the best of his ability he's going to hold um to policies and things like that that are in line with his in line line with yeah with his conscious as a christian um I still don't think that I might necessarily agree with some of the positions that he'll still hold in the end, yep. but I can't fault him for that. I ca- right. Especially in a political realm where, you know, as much as you want to make change and as much as you want to do stuff, you've got to watch your back. Yes. Well, you know, exactly how, how right. many prime ministers have we had yeah. in the short space of time and yet we've only had a couple of elections. It's just, yeah. yeah that's it's totally there, but by the grace of God and my party go I. Like, yeah. you know, it's it's it really is. And yeah. God has obviously p- placed him in that place, but his, his party is allowing him to be there also. Yeah. yeah. You know? And I think it's also important for us to recognise that all people in all political power uh, they're under God. Yeah. Uh, Peter says as much in the New Testament, and he's talking about the vicious, vindictive, oppressive Roman Empire. Yeah. And he says those in authority are there as instruments of God's judgment. So if you do the wrong thing, mm. fear it. Yeah. Uh, but if you do the right thing, 
uh, you've got nothing to worry about. Yeah, that's right. So if he can say that about uh, about Caesar, then uh, I think we need to be a little bit less willing to demonise one politician over another. Yeah, exactly. I think it's important that we don't throw all eggs in the one basket. I had I heard someone say make a comment uh, in a setting I was in where they basically said that they believed that God has given us three years grace and this is it. This is the time for the nation to turn around. And I just think, what a load of pressure on one man. Wow. Uh, he's hopefully not feeling that. Mm. And like you said, Jimmy, we're not necessarily, not everyone's going to, every Christian isn't going to agree yeah. with him. That's not the issue. We're not united so much around our politics. Mm. We're united around a person. Mm. Yeah. And that's Jesus, not, that's not exactly Scott Morrison right. yeah. or, yeah. or mm. whoever happens to be the, the head yeah. of any party at the time. And that's seen sitting around this table. Like we all, different backgrounds, yeah. we're all you know, or well, Adam and I are similar ages, but we're different. Much, much younger than but me. But even, <laughs> even different, like our even upbringings fresh. are different. Our, like our backstories Correct. are a lot different. Yeah, exactly. So just the, the fact that we're going to come with everything with a different slant yeah. as well. Yeah. And so when it comes to politics is that the hardest thing is that to get out of your political view. Yes. And I think that's the thing that we, that as Christians, we get stuck thinking, okay, this is my point of view then this is my political point of view. So this is the Christian point of view Yes. when it comes to politics. Yes. Yeah. But the problem is, is that you might say that, I might say that, and then someone else will say that, but and, they and they're all completely different. View. That's correct. One could be a conservative, yep. you know, yep. liberal, you know, yep. or Republican, you know, mm-hmm. and pushing everything like Donald Trump and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. some might be completely on the other side. Yeah, I've correct. got plenty of friends and people who are even ministers that are completely on the yeah. progressive, you know, progressive left. Yeah. And then push the, um, you know, the LGBT. Yes, there's a good Q, example. Yeah. Like agenda. Um, agenda is the wrong word because it's not, it's like they, uh, social justice issues Issue? on that yeah. side. Yeah. Um, you know, and, you know, and then you've got people that are in the middle yep. you know or try and hold as close to the middle as possible yep and i think that's the that's the thing is there's that balance we've got people on all sides and we need to keep this yeah. uh keep that in mind i think that's what we spoke about in the in the first episode mm. is keeping that in mind that we're all going to be coming from different sides to sort of come together and have those discussions and hopefully come a walk, walk away feeling good about having a discussion about it yeah and having, not necessarily agreeing our view challenged and go okay well that's yeah. where you come from i think look that feeding off the back of what you've just said there, mm. Jimmy, I think this might come as a shock to a lot of people who are actually listening. Mm. Um, and I imagine there'll be some people who who may ardently disagree with this. But mm. but I think it's important to note that despite what we think, no one political party has a wholesale yeah. mandate on the Christian faith. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. and uh, I think there's a lot of voice that seems to indicate that in the media. And so a lot of us automatically assume. So, for instance, here in Australia, in in more recent years, certainly, the uh, you know it, the 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 more vocal parts of the Christian Church will tend to automatically side with the conservative side of politics. Um, and in the United States, for instance, very very much that's the case. The mm. the especially the evangelical church in the United States, uh, by and large, will be very vocal in its support of republicanism. And yet, you go back to the eighties, and it was exactly the opposite of that. Yeah, they were all Democrats. They were all Democrats. The, the Democrats held the Christian majority vote. So it, it tells me that it's whoever's making that largest amount of noise mm. at the time mm. is is where we will fit and 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 what social values the church is particularly beholden to at any given time so so moral issues i suppose that 
that tend to be forefront in the media at this time will tend to unite Christians with conservative side of politics. So the big moral issues, you've mentioned LGBT, you've mentioned, mm. we've mentioned you know, euthanasia, abortion. Mm. We're going to talk about all these in a bit later the on. Environment as well. Series. Environment comes into it. So environment, for instance, is a, is a hot topic, mm. but the majority worldview outside of the church will tend to be more progressive than, than mm. even right now in our current setting. Recently, we've had the, the uh, climate change uh, discussions in Tuvalu mm. and uh, and. ScoMo has been very adamant that he's not buying into that. He's not uh, fulfilling what everyone's wanting him to fulfill. So he's taking a, a, an approach there, which a lot of cons- a lot of progressive Christian perspectives, mm. will, will, people mm. with different perspectives, will disagree with. So I, I think it's important just to realise that there isn't any one political party that mm. that has that complete view. Uh, we could argue that there are many left-hand side of politics uh, perspectives that are important. For instance. Economic issues like caring for the poor and caring for the marginalised, yeah. they tend to be much more to the left. Yeah. And clearly, they're part of very much the heart of Jesus. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm just want to enc- I want to encourage our hearers, our listeners, to, to just wrestle with it and think it through a bit. Yeah. There are Christians in the left of politics. It's not this yeah. assumption that automatically all Christians are on the conservative liberal side of politics, for yeah. instance, in Australia, or on the or all Christians are Republicans in the United States. I think it's we have to recognise that there are. Genuine, godly people on who who come from all mm. areas of politics. That's right. Yeah. Christianity in itself is transcendent over politics. Yeah, right? I believe so. Yeah. And you know, Jesus commands us to love our neighbour, and quite often, like Christians, don't even get into that fight yet. Yes. So why 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 would they get into the political fight if they're not willing to if, actually just love their neighbour? Start with, yeah, yeah you know? exactly. And who is the neighbour? Jesus mm. would, would be clear. The par- parable of the Good Samaritan shows us that the neighbours are the people who we don't agree with. They're the exactly. people who come from a different ratio, eth- ethnic, uh, socioeconomic background than us. Yeah, exactly. And they're our neighbours, so mm. we have to do that well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And Paul tackles the same issue when he says there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's totally. N- no, there's no Democrats, there's no Republicans. Yeah. You're all brothers yeah. and sisters in Christ, yeah. and you're all called to love just as much. Well, actually, Adam, as we're putting this series out, the current theme we're doing in our church at C3 Picton in Camden, and we will be doing when this comes out, is a theme we're going to be running simply called One, and it's going to be around this Beautiful. issue of unity. It's going, to be a, yep. it's going to be around the fact that the New Testament, one of the big issues, uh, probably the biggest issue that the New Testament is facing socially is the issue of unity mm. across uh, economic, gender, racial boundaries. Uh, which is a is a huge issue to the Apostle Paul in the Greco-Roman mm. world, and it, yeah. the the gospel is central to that. You've quoted that scripture, you mm. know, and there are many many like that. In fact, the reason I decided that this podcast was necessary is because I felt that this issue was bigger than we could give justice to um, through you know half a dozen sermons mm. on a Sunday. So we wanted to yep. accompany it with with mm. what we'd be teaching at ele- elementary level, I suppose, with a bit more in depth discussion. Yeah, because our unity, yeah, is so important. Yeah, okay. I suppose. Going off the back of what we're just sort of talking about, I think we sort of know the answer to this question, but we'll just sort of, sort of unpack it a bit. Should Christians engage in politics? Mm. Well, I think you'll find that uh, there is a full spectrum of opinion on this. You will get people who are very strong on their belief that it's a Christian's moral responsibility to engage in politics um, and actively engage in politics. Uh, there'll be others who believe that Christians should be completely removed. And uh, so, for instance, even though they're, they're not 
Orthodox Christianity, for instance, as far as I'm aware, Jehovah's Witnesses, they abstain from voting and they do it because they believe in complete removal from the political system. Mm. Uh, and, and on the other hand, certainly you've got, you know, Christian parties, the Christian Democratic Party and Family First was sort of a, a pseudo-Christian party that was trying to embrace people beyond Christianity as well. So there are people who believe that they should engage at that level. We have the Australian Christian Lobby in Australia, which is uh, a group that... Uh, would claim to speak on behalf of all Christians. I think that's probably my experience I've seen. I may be misquoting them there, but uh, I think I think any group that claims to speak on behalf of all Christians should be careful how they do that. They may not have done that. That might be just my perception yeah. uh, that, that that's how they are, but uh, they, would be Christ, they would be Christians who believe that it's important to engage. Uh, yeah. I don't know what you guys think. I, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle. I think that people should engage in politics. So, and given that, Christians should engage in politics, but they should be mindful of not only the fact that they represent people, but they represent Christ as well. Great. Good So, when, when we're called to be ambassadors for Christ, we need to be really thinking through what does that mean? Um, how is what I'm doing reflecting on Christ? Mm. Um, and what I believe, I think Christians should be really mindful about how they engaged in politics. How do you engage in politics on social media? How yep. do you do it in person? How do you do it in the collective? Yep. Um, it's very interesting. Some of the social experiments that have been done by Darren Brown, who's um, he's a hypnotist guy that does social experiments, and he does a lot of a lot of experimentation um, when it comes to the mind of a crowd and the, the idea that people will basically throw off restraint when there's anonymity involved. Mm-hmm. So I think people need to be mindful of, like, they could find themselves on the front page of the news. Sure. Not thinking that they will because they're in the middle of a crowd and right. they're doing whatever they think, you know, they're Is casting acceptable. off restraint because yeah. they feel like they're Good anonymous. But they're not. Mm. Yeah. So they need to be very yeah. mindful of that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think as well, like I'm on that same page where as like as people, the government are representatives of us. Yes. It's like any governance that's set in, in place that um, that is a part of a, an election, um, we should engage. We should know um, what they stand for. Uh, we should know uh, why we're voting for them, mm-hmm. uh, and what and what it is that that is what. Uh, can't think of the word now. Uh, what what are the topics that they are um, pushing? What are the main issues? What are the main issues? Yeah, yeah, and then sure. we should be going. Okay, well, there. That's I want to get behind that. Um, I suppose the hard thing is that we don't. It's sometimes it is hard to get all that information to yep. find out exactly, you know, what it is that they're pushing with across across the board. We might hear the one or two main topics they talk about, sure. um, and they're normally just ones that to try and, you know, bring up emotion rather than actually get people to look at what the actual what their yep. political yes. agenda is yeah. and what it like is that they're the pushing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, something that, that yeah, all the big things, things yeah. that you know, that draw up uh, emotion. Yeah. Um, well, on that, I, I felt mm. that. Um, you know, a very useful tool in the last couple of federal elections has been the ABC Vote Compass. Mm. Um, I'm aware I, I, I did that because I felt like you know they've obviously polled the parties on a on a series mm. of different questions, and then they put those questions in such a way that you can answer them, and it rates you on where you fit. Mm. I tended to find that I was quite quite in the middle. 
Mm. Um, but I'm also aware that, uh, you know, no survey is 100% correct. And yeah. someone could come to that survey with a certain agenda and then tw tw uh, tweak the survey to suit their agenda. And here I am thinking I'm being, I'm completing a, uh, completing an, a, a, a neutral, neutral yeah. survey only to find it's not. And I'd have has it to say that as, as neutral as the ABC is supposed to be, it hasn't been itself in recent years. Mm, not so, um, so yeah, but I think it's it's helpful and it's a, mm. it's a good tool. And I agree with you, Jimmy. Mm. I feel that Christians, we have a responsibility. We live in a democracy. Mm. Um, I mm. certainly don't think we have any right to complain about anything if we're not prepared to vote mm. and, no, and vote educatedly. Yeah. Is there such a word as educatedly? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. An, an informed vote. Yeah. An informed vote. That's yes. Yeah, so I don't think we have any any right to complain. Uh, we do live in a democracy where we will get the government that we deserve, really, yeah. because uh, as a nation, we, we vote in a certain direction. Uh, I tend to say I'm middle of the road, I guess, mm. um, for those reasons. Uh, if, if I'm honest, I, I'm not a big conflict person, so the whole idea of, of protesting and mm. placard waving, all that, that's not really me. I, yeah, I yeah. tend to fight no, against that. Yeah. But as I, as I was preparing this podcast too, you know, I was, this is one of those areas where I had to, to think about that. I went, oh, I don't know if that's good. Um, and yet, as I, as I reflected on it, a couple that came to mind were, were say, for instance, the, you know, the, you know, rights of African Americans, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm thinking about Martin Luther King, you know, it's only 50 years ago. Mm. And that was a very vocal, yeah. very, uh, you know, very public mm. protest movement. Yeah. Yep. against the government, against society, and it, and it worked. And I think I'd, I think I'd be very uh, foolish of me to say that that was wrong mm. to do that. So maybe I'm, I'm wondering if to some degree my view of not fighting too much may be tainted by the fact that I live in a relatively comfortable democracy. And if I was living in a third world country where mm. my rights or the rights yeah. of others were being abused, that I maybe I, mm. I, I would feel more compelled mm. yeah. to yeah. protest. I don't mm. know. Yes. I, I don't no, presume to know for certain mm. on that one. Yeah. I think that I'm probably the same. Not more because I don't think that there's one issue or there's one party that I feel passionate about that I should be backing to the hilt to where right. I actually go out and start waving placards and, yep. you know, or going out and attending rallies. Mm. Um, because I, there's so many important issues yes. um, that I've this – like I've got a life to, yeah, <laughs> to live outside that. Yeah, like yeah. if I, if I, for all the issues I felt passionate about and went out and, and, and did um, go and do that sort of stuff for, I don't know how, like I would be able to balance all sure, that out. And at one. the same time, um, you know, it's almost like that, that Facebook, you know, when people, you know, put up prayer for whatever, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's great to put prayers out when there's a, the time of, um, you know, so a great tragedy. Yes. Um, but it's the same thing. I think sometimes we can go out and think we're doing this great thing, but is it actually having an impact? And that's maybe the little cynical side of me is that yeah. um, will me being out there as part of a rally or mm. something like that really change mm. Mm. something? I, I know that it can. Well, it, it's right. But at the, the case of yeah, but at the same time, as like American I still rights. have that other side, like, oh, well, yeah. but... But will it? Yeah. And then that's, yeah. I think yeah. that's that thing that I've always got to battle. I think that if something came up where I'm like, no, I'm have to be a part of this, mm. I'll go and do it. Well, just recently, but, you know, here in New South Wales, yeah. you know, there's been the, the, the abortion law. And, you know, we have people in our church who were protesting in that and, yeah. and felt that was a strong issue. Like we're talking about it as being a strong issue. Well, they would believe that the, the issues of fighting for the unborn is a strong, strong right. And I certainly, I, I certainly can't 
disagree with that. I, yeah. I, I, be, I personally believe that too. Yeah. Um, it's where I stand anyway. I'm not saying everyone else that's listening to this will, will stand there either. Mm. Um, so I guess I, I, I think for me, what, what concerns me, I think if I to shake it down to what, what concerns me about what I see of some, sometimes when, when Christians engage in political rallying mm. is that it very quickly can become an us and them mentality. And yeah. I, I don't think that's necessarily always the intention, yeah. um, but it's human nature that we can start pointing fingers that it becomes us and them. It becomes we're right, you're wrong. Yeah, and, it becomes um, a barrier to the gospel. And that's become that thing of that distance of perception. That's right. Um, and so I just think, you know, if we're going to be adamant about fighting for things, mm -hmm. fight for them, but let's just constantly be checking our hearts to make sure that our heart is motivated by love. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I think if you were to take historians and cut apart the – the history of, you know, the African civil rights movement, yeah. I'm sure that you would find people who were very motivated by self-righteousness and, mm. and anger and all that sort of stuff. But generally speaking, uh, I'd like to think that what changed the move there and say William Wilberforce and the, and the civil rights and well, abolition of slavery in the UK, what, what really changed things there was people who were motivated by the love of Christ exactly and prepared yep. to stand up for what they believe yeah, in, yeah. Mm. but in, not in a way that was seeking to alienate people, but rather to no, shine to them. Free, yeah, to yeah. free them. Mm. And that's the same even with, you know, Martin Luther did the same thing. It yeah. may have been against the church, but it was ultimately against the king. Yeah. And so it, the Catholic Church were in, in partnership with basically the government at that time using Catholicism to manipulate and control people yes, and yes. to ultimately make money. And make mm. money, yep. yep. And, and we celebrate Martin Luther for freeing people from that Yeah. And, and, and bringing them into a place where they can not only read the scriptures but really like have a relationship with Jesus. And if, the, if there was a political party that was going to stand for that, I would stand for that. Yeah. Well, in fact, we're part of – the Protestant movement, exactly, yeah, which means we our, our foundations were based around protest against yeah, well, against right. that stuff, weren't we? Yeah, I, I suppose I'll just jump in as being the sort of moderator for the or host for this episode, not to confuse Martin Luther and Martin Luther King, Martin yes, Luther. Yep. Uh, Martin Luther, uh, German, yep, 500 years ago, um, 500 years ago uh, started the the Protestant Reformation. Yeah. Uh, Martin Luther King, Afri African-American preacher, yep. uh, who spoke up against, um, you know, Rights American for, um, rights for um, African Americans. So fifty years ago. Yeah. So yeah. Not not as yeah. Same similar name. Yep. Not the same person. So no, I thought we'd just point. chuck that good, in there. Good moderation there, Jim. Very good. Very good moderation. Yeah. I take my job very seriously. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um, so um, just to sort of sum up, I suppose what we've sort of talked about there. Um, we're talking about that you know as individual believers that we should be. Having we should engage in politics to some level, yep. even if it's just to who we vote for. Yep. We should be voting, yep. and then just who we vote for. We should be um, have some sort of same as reason. We talk about what why you what you believe as a Christian. Mm. Um, when it comes to politics, we should be able to say why do we vote that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not saying that we should go out there and tell everyone this is what we voted and all that sort of stuff because you know. But if we do, I think it's okay to do. That's it okay. Your commentary, it's yeah. provided it's not. This assumption yeah. that everybody else should agree with me because I'm right. Yeah, it ultimately comes out in your opinions anyway. Yeah. Yes, and like when Paul says, "I've become all things to all men," mm. like you, you, we, we're called to that. So we need to not bury our heads in the sand in mm. relation to the issues. We yeah. need to have uh, a thinking 
mindset about it. You need to actually think through these issues before you go to the ballot box. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, agreed. And if you don't, then you're doing yourself a disservice because your vote mm. actually counts. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so as Christians, that we should be voicing our opinions as individuals um, and just be wary that we're not claiming to speak on behalf of all Christians. Yes. Yeah, exactly. uh, that's, uh, that's always a good one. Because, um, yeah, as we've said plenty of times and we'll probably say many more times that not all Christians believe the exact same thing across the board about all no, these right. sorts of things, including yep. politics. Yep. Um, and you can say three different things yep. in three different ways, but if you say them in love, really loving, genuinely like loving, Pastor mm. Rowan was talking about, yep. then that's that's the message that shines through yep. in, in all of it, is mm. that we love you, we differ mm. in our opinion, mm. and that's okay. Yes. Mm. Yep. And then um, I, I suppose that we've got another little note here that, probably we should say is that um, Christian political parties or any political party that sort of lobbies as being having Christian values, um, we should be just mindful that they aren't uh, always speaking for all Christians as well, right. that yeah. they are, that they might speak um, for some issues. They might be speaking on the Christian issue uh, and majority of Christians might believe that one, but then you might get to other issues Correct. where it yeah, might be, a minority or it might yep. be only half of Christians actually jump yep. on board with what they're saying. So, yeah, just right. something to be mindful just because it's got the label Christian mm. doesn't necessarily mean that it speaks for all Christians. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it's good to just not even just assume that because it's got the label Christian that you automatically want to vote for that. You yeah. may, True. but I don't think the name the Christian should be sufficient for you to, to make, oh, okay, well, I, I kind of mm. hand over my responsibility to them because, you, you, you know, we're we have people in our own church that we'll disagree with. Mm. So why would we automatically assume that everybody who says they're a Christian or is a genuine Christian, we're going to agree with. So yeah, true. using our, our own heads is important. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what about churches? Do we think that churches should take a, I suppose, take a stand in politics or choose a side in politics? Um, should they really be endorsing particular parties or candidates for certain areas um, or even advising their congregate like say should you know pastors or leaders in a church sure. be um advising or saying this is who you should be voting for well as a pastor right off the bat i'll say here that i know that there will be churches and there'll be pastors maybe even listening to this who will disagree with me uh, but i don't personally believe that the church as an institution should be engaged in political debate mm. um and i'll explain why in a moment um certainly not as often as as a lot of times we led to think I think it can, it can be polarizing experience that's unnecessary. Mm. I said before, we're not united around a party, where we're united, united around a person. That's right. And Jesus, uh, you could argue Jesus was dead center, mm. a good mix of left and right. And you could also argue that Jesus acted on the left sometimes and on the right sometimes. Mm. So, for it, it, whichever way you view that, it, it stands to reason that to think that we any church has a or any politi political party has a monopoly on Christianity would be foolish. And for the church to do that, I think, is potentially polarising. For instance, in our congregation, there will be Labor supporters, there will be Liberal supporters, there will be Green supporters, there will be, you know, people from different perspectives, mm. CDP and so on. And so we've got to kind of choose our battles, I think. Mm. Um, the reason I would say that too is I don't, I don't see Jesus ever urging his followers to engage in politi political spectrum. No. It does, does touch on politics occasionally, give to Caesars what is Caesars. Yep. But at the same time, um, oh, geez, we just talked about not 
using bits of the Bible and references to support an argument. But uh, so just to just just put that aside for a minute. But um, yeah, but yeah, he doesn't necessarily like. It's like that thing, engage, but, that's but a, he's not saying this is what you should be doing or... Yeah. 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 You, you can kind of take what you were saying about Jesus saying, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, as him saying, I'm not here for that. Mm. Like, that is Caesar's. That's yeah. exactly the point. We, the kingdom of God is not. Mm. And when, even when he talks to Pilate and he says, you know, what does he say? He says, basically, he, he I'm says, not... my the, kingdom is not from this From place. this world. He yeah. makes a political statement. Yeah. But it's so different to the political statement of the world that Pilate isn't even threatened by That's it. exactly yeah. right. It, and it's really interesting. Like, I've been watching the Bible, um, one of the um, things on... I think it's on Stan. There's, like, a, the Bible that they've created a oh, yes, um, documentary on. Oh, yes, the one. It's a miniseries. Yep. And yep. it was really eye-opening to see that the Jewish leaders were not that much of a threat to Rome. No. Hmm. You know, like, and, and Pilate, he, they were more of a nuisance to him. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, not Pilate. Um, yeah. Yeah. Pilate. 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 Threat yeah. to Pilate. They, yeah, say? they were yeah. more of a nuisance to, to him. Pilate, than yes. they, and, and he was more worried about what Rome would say than yes. these meddling yeah. Jews that he kind of tolerated. Yeah. Hmm. You know, and... Yeah, so I think that's really interesting. I think mm. understanding that the, the culturally charged, politically charged environment would mm. do a, a lot of Christians a lot of good today. Mm. We, we say things like, oh, you know, the world's falling apart mor- morally. Mm. And yet if we understand and a casual look at the history of the first century mm. uh, church, and we'll realize that we have a moral, uh, a much higher level of morality, morality than what the early church and the time of Christ were living with and dealing with. And, and, mm. and so, therefore, I would say that if Jesus was going to uh, deal with anything politically, he, he had good reason to. Mm. Uh, and I, I dare say that if uh, many Christians of today and many Christian lobbyists of today were around then, they would be angry with Jesus for not advocating uh, high enough engagement in politics. And yet mm. Jesus didn't involve himself. We've yeah. quoted two of, I, I can find about three scriptures where Jesus uh, speaks and we've quoted render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. We've yep. quoted Jesus saying to Pilate, my my kingdom is from another place. Mm. And, and the other one, the only other one I can think of, there may be others, is is Jesus says, if a soldier, Roman soldier wants you to go one mile, mm. go two miles. Go two. Mm. Which is the sense of lay down your life. Mm. Don't fight and rail against the political mm. system. Lay mm. down your life. And so I think that's part of why I would say to, to, to churches, be wary of engaging politically in conversation uh, because if Jesus, if we take our, our leadership from him and he doesn't do it, mm. then we should be at least think through the filter of, hang on a sec, what would Jesus be doing mm. if he was here? What would he be saying rather than this auto- automatic assumption? Mm. Mm. Um, and, you, you know, there might be people listening to this who will go, they'll filter it through that and they'll go, well, Jesus would have Engage well, great. I'm just, I'm just challenging people to think that through rather than automatically assume that. Yeah, Jesus also talks about a city sat on a hill can't be hidden, and we know from the Old Testament that that was a city of refuge where yep. people would run and flee to yep. to be um, protected. Yep. Mm. and it would have been a melting pot. Yes, of all kinds, all kinds of, of people, people, cultures, even religions, and. That's what the church is called to, to be that place where people can flee to and not have those polarizations inside it. Um, Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
Uh, so we've spoken a little bit and we started touching on it. I suppose, is there anything else around that? Um, what do we feel as though that the Bible has to say about political involvement? We talked about, you know, some of the scriptures and that that are there. And um, is there, I suppose... Other scriptural perspectives on it? Yeah. Well, like, maybe, maybe, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, you go. I was going to say, let's, well, let's back up into the Old Testament. Let's mm. start with the Old Testament. I know we've skipped into the New Testament talking about Jesus, but I think understanding the the political framework of the Old Testament is helpful as we read it. Mm. So the Old Testament is largely set within the political framework of what we would call a theocracy, mm. which is a monarchy ruling on behalf of God. So mm. that's the way the nation of Israel worked. It's the, the way that the, the uh, other city-states prior to Israel taking Canaan worked. They were uh, city-states ruled by a king under the control of, uh, of, um, a, foreign, of a foreign god, if you like. So mm. that's, that's the view. Then the Jews pick up that same thing. Um, and so I think if we, if we get that, we'll, we'll understand that it's, it's not wise to automatically assume that model as an effective model or the correct model for the world we live in today. Yeah. Mm. And I think sometimes we do that, yeah. but we have to understand that, that Jesus came to set up a different kind of kingdom yeah. to that. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about that a bit more in the next session when we talk about secularism, I think. Yeah. But, but I think if we can understand that, it's helpful to not automatically assume that the Old Testament is the way it should be mm. yeah. today. Uh, Jesus' ministry. Much of Jesus' ministry and the teaching of the New Testament writers is actually very political. It's highly political, but it's, it's political in a different way to what we yeah. see much of the church being political today. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's different to what it's we would say. It's a different paradigm. It's like a different paradigm. Yeah. 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 Right. So how would you see that, Adam? Well, yeah, I agree with you in relation to how Israel's king came about, like it, Samuel fought tooth and nail for them to not have a king and he ultimately relented and it was interesting to see that Samuel was kind of put in between a rock and a hard place. Yes, he heard from God, but on another hand, his sons were so corrupt yeah. that they couldn't carry on the line yeah. and that that is an interesting dynamic. Um, it, it's interesting to see like if the Israelites... Like they fought tooth and nail against Moses and they fought tooth and nail against Aaron mm. and it was inevitable that that would happen. They would end up we, with an authoritarian structure. That's yeah. right, because mm. they, they always looked back to say, oh man, Egypt was so much better, but yeah. it actually wasn't. It's human yeah. nature, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. So I think what, what I said before, like Christianity is transcendent to politics. Um, I would say that it, the kingdom of God is transcendent yeah. to culture as yep. well. Uh, we, we know that the, that the word teaches us that we are sojourners here. Yes. Um, and quite often we don't think about that. Yeah. We, we don't think that we're here as ambassadors for the kingdom yeah. of God yeah. um, and we need to kind of engage in all of society mm. with that in mind. Mm. Yeah. So. I think my cha my perspective has, has shifted slightly in recent times on that because when I heard statements like we're sojourners and it's in the scripture and I've read it plenty of times over the years, I, I would tend to think that therefore any engagement in society is not necessary other than to maybe get people saved so they can go to heaven when they die. Mm. Uh, as I've matured in my faith in recent times and I've recognized that my responsibility as a Christian is to bring heaven to earth, mm. um, it's helped me to understand when I say, like I was saying a minute ago, when Jesus is political, mm. 
highly political. I, I think it's important to recognise he is, but not in the same way that we would expect him to be. So, yeah. so Jesus didn't spend his time addressing the social depravity of the society or of those in power, in political yeah. power in that time, because I guess Jesus recognised that the issue that he was dealing with, that we're all dealing with, is, is goes greater than one emperor or one prime minister or one political party or three-year term or whatever. It's dealing with the issue of the sinful human heart, the selfish yeah. human heart. And so Jesus, when he was political, he was actually setting up a different kingdom. Mm. He, was, he was not trying to rail against the current political kingdom. He went about from the inside setting up a rival kingdom that would ultimately pull down the mm. kingdom of the kingdoms of this world. And, you yeah. know, the scriptures talk about this repeatedly, that, that Jesus, Jesus' kingdom will ultimately reign over all the kingdoms of the world. That's the whole book of Isaiah is really a pointing in that direction. Mm. And so he set up this, this rival political kingdom, which was radical in its different way. It was radical because it was, it was to be set up and established not by waging war in a political spectrum, but by waging war through acts of selfless love. Yeah, it's mm. good. Of laying down our lives that the people people who joined this new political party, the kingdom of God, mm. the, the way of Jesus, would be a people who would lay down their lives in selfless love. Yeah, it's yeah. good. And that was the political war that Jesus waged when he laid his life down on the cross. Mm. And I believe that's the political war that we are called to wage as yeah. his followers as well yeah. yeah so good man yeah it's interesting that a lot of what jesus targeted was self-righteousness and yep. and the things like reliance on the flesh and reliance on the things of of this world as opposed to him yeah spirit yep you know when i think of him rebuking pharisees and and stuff like that mm. you know like yeah that's awesome stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the the thing where I sort of why my I personally sort of hold back is because you look at the um, when it comes to engaging fully with like in politics, other than trying to be um, as well versed in who to vote for, is that when you go through the Bible and the and the Christian, um, I suppose the what a Christian is meant to look like in a political way, it's not what we see today. No, I don't think it is either. And that's and that's and that's why I have that challenge where I have because I have so much respect. Like they're like people who go and do sitting like love makes a way. They go and do sittings in in um in ministers like uh, political ministers offices yes. and have prayer sessions. Yes. Mm. And things like that about you know about topics about um immigration and, and all that sort of stuff. And mm. you just think, you know, that I, I'm like I can see that that's a that's a Christian yeah. Yeah. that like that's a that's a Christian way to go about it. not because okay we're going to sit around in a, in a circle and pray mm. and you know be a cheesy Christian yeah. it's about I'm we're making a statement yeah. but we're not doing it in a let's get a big crowd together let's do the hooting and hollering sure. and trying to bring all this attention it's about hey we might bring attention but what we're actually here we'll is to make change love. we're here to make change yeah. but with a heart that's here because this is a, something we feel deeply about this yeah. is something and we're, we're here to make change mm. and I think a lot of time is that the big crowds and all that sort of stuff can just get caught up in the hype yeah. rather than the heart 
Yeah, that's right. Of like, I, why am I here? Am I here because I'm, you know, I'm passionate about this thing, but I'm just here just because to make a loud noise as possible. Yeah. Am I here because my heart is is breaking on this issue and I want to try and make a difference? Mm. So, who am I going to, what am I going to do? Go and make a loud noise out there or am I going to go and pray for the person who could actually make a change? Yeah. Yeah. That's and great. get in there and then for, for them to then potentially be able to engage in a conversation with them or so at the least the people that work to, with them. To serve them and say, hey, can we yeah. pray for you? Yeah. And then it's sit in like in you know it's that peaceful process you get protest you go in you sit in you pray then someone will have to engage with you and then you can have a conversation with them even if it's only really short and they can see that you're being respectful you're being loving and the reason why you're doing it Mm. is from this heartfelt place that it's that where you feel the love rather than saying i'm doing this in love yes it's it's helping aid the perception yeah that if the person who you're disagreeing with feels loved and respected yeah, by definitely you. Okay. yeah good yeah. point yeah even to the point where it could be an email hey so and so yeah i'm mm. praying for you yeah you that, that could be sufficient yeah and it, it mm. you know sometimes it doesn't have to be this massive gesture yeah. it can be something small yeah. i think it's also worth saying that some of the most inflammatory statements that jesus used which goes with what you're saying mm. actually his, his most inflammatory statements weren't directed at uh the romans they were directed yeah. At the Jewish establishment. Exactly. Mm. Uh, the ones who were supposed to be representing God. So, in mm. modern terms, I think you would say that it, Jesus would be most adamantly opposed to those who claim to operate on his behalf rather than those who yeah. have never signed up to live by the political parties that mm. haven't signed up to live by his standards. Yeah. That's where he tended to be harshest, I suppose. The church mm. of today, exactly. not the Romans, I suppose. Yeah. That's exactly like he, he said. You know, when he when he taught the disciples to pray, he said, "Don't be like the hypocrites that stand on this on the street corners. They've received their reward, mm. so they've been seen, and their pride has been puffed up, and they've they've got what they want." And even this morning, I quoted, you know, uh, from Matthew, I think it was Matthew when twelve, he, was it? Yeah, when he talks like about them being a brood of vipers and how they're so filthy on the inside, like they're just full of evil, mm. and it's floating out of their mouth and. And that's the religious leaders he's talking about. That's exactly right. And they're making so much noise, but inside they're, they, mm. they're not what we would know as a, as a Christian. They're not actually following God in the way that he designed them to. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Just yeah. Uh, to finish off that conversation yep. around the, the Bible and what it has to say politically, mm. a couple of things come to mind. The Gospel of Mark, uh, you can actually read the entire Gospel of Mark through the context of a political commentary because the key theme of the Gospel of Mark, if you look at it, you'll see it all through, is the kingdom of God, yeah. Jesus and the kingdom of God. And Jesus is depicted as as bringing his kingdom by laying down his life, hmm. expecting us to do the same, expecting us to do the same thing. And so even his crucifixion, his crowning of thorns, the purple robe, the crucifixion there uh, seen by Mark, Mark describes that like a, like a royal coronation. That's the picture you need to mm. receive, that Jesus is actually being enthroned mm. as king of the universe mm. through his selfless act of love. Yeah. Mm. That's the point that Mark is trying to make to us. So the point being that the way to bring about Christ's kingdom is through dying to self, not through uh, fighting. Yeah. Uh, being con- a zealot, yeah. I suppose, yeah. zeal- zealotry. Mm. Romans 16, Paul says if you owe taxes and revenue, pay it. And he, he says let no debt remain outstanding except the debt to love one another. And this, this scripture in 1 Peter 2, 13 to 17, I love this one, and I think we'll repeat this several times throughout this series. I think we need to read this one and actually contemplate it in light of 
so many how Christians should speak and try to engage the political spectrum today. So he says this, For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king is head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and honour those who do right. It is God's will that your honourable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. You are free, yet you are God's slave, so don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Respect the king. Yeah. And we're talking here about Caesar. Hmm. So I think the challenge for us in our postmodern Christian worldview where we have potentially gotten so comfortable with thinking we are the moral majority and now the world is changing. Mm. You know, we talked in the last episode about are we a Christian country or whatever. Mm. I think we need to filter through our responses through this lens and think, hang on, this is how Peter was telling Christians to behave to a pagan, morally depraved emperor. Mm. Yeah maybe we need to rethink some of the way we do things. Yeah. That the way to silence our enemies, if you like, is through service, through loving them, respecting them. Yeah. Uh, anything yeah. that seems to send the opposite message is going to have a result that we don't want it to have. Yeah. Don't know what you guys think on that, but it's, it's challenging and it's sobering, I think. Yeah, that's good. Definitely. Um, all right, I think we'll... Wrap this one up here. Yep. Uh, so, thanks, Rowan. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Jimmy. Um, and uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, as they say at the end of every podcast, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. Um, that might not be an option at the moment. So, just make sure you tune into our channels and, and uh, look for our next episode of Season 1. Uh, and we're going to be talking a little bit about secularism. Secularism it is. Talk to you next so, time. See you then. Uh, podcast has helped you love like never before. Oh, <laughs> nice.